We want to um, continue on in the message and uh, just what the Lord has for us this morning. And I'd sometimes I think I said a little bit about how I get my messages last week. And sometimes it's very linear and it's sort of scripture of a scripture that's just sewn together through the message. But this, this time it's a little bit like yacht racing, you know. It's a bit of attack this way and then a little bit of attack this way and another. So don't get dizzy, okay. We will arrive at our destination and you'll, you'll be able to know that you've, you've been on a bit of a journey this morning. So... Um, We've got lots of time, so don't panic about time. We'll be out of here by one. <laughs> and all those that have a, got a chook in the oven said, Amen. Turkey. That's right, the turkey. That's it. We love our turkey. Amen. Well, um, we uh, ended up naming last week's message uh, the small adjustment, if you remember. And, um, you know, we're still on that same topic of God's love. And so often, God's love just needs a small adjustment. How many have caught yourself at times just needing to make a small adjustment to find yourself back over in God's love? One person, great. Two, three, you know. Sometimes it is just that little small adjustment, you know. If you recall what we've been seeing, and it's been a bit of a primary uh, verse, is uh, that the first and second great commandment uh, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbour as yourself. And uh, we, we have uh, slipped into a series of messages uh, uh, as I can only do them now. There's only two and then, <laughs> and then you'll have to wait for another two weeks before you get another one. But uh, that's kind of the way that that works. Just trying to get my slides to work. Is that, uh, is that up where I can move it? There we go. Love the Lord. There's the next slide. I'm not sure where the little Duvalaki is, um, Mark. It, might, it needs to be showing. It needs to be hanging out. If it's not hanging out, this doesn't, um, doesn't control it. So um, we, we see that so often uh, it is that small adjustment that brings us straight back into the centre of God's will for our lives, back into the place of his grace, back where, as we saw last week, Provision flows freely. Small adjustments. Peter, cast your net on the other side of the boat. Uh, you know, it was really just a small adjustment, wasn't it? But miraculous provision flowed straight away. Peter was smiling all the way to the market with 150 large, 153 large fish that had jumped into their net just with a little adjustment. It's something to take notice of, isn't it? How many know that watching what you say is also a small adjustment? You know, just watching that world of trouble that's just under our noses. Just a small adjustment. Oops, better not say that. Catch myself before I say that. I shouldn't think that is even better. But to then say it is even worse. Watching what you say is such a small adjustment. James says uh, in his epistle about the tongue and how we use it, he says it's a, it's, it, you know, the tongue is a fire. Wow. And of course we just need to sometimes extinguish that fire that's there that can result from what uh, comes out of our mouths. Why don't we pray and ask the Lord a blessing on our word today. Father, we, we again thank you for the opportunity to come around your word, Lord God. We thank you. It is indeed a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, Lord. Your word can show us where we are. You, Lord, your word can show us where we can go. 
And Lord, we thank you for the uh, for revelation knowledge in our hearts today, Lord God. Lord, uh, as we open our hearts to receive from you, Lord, we open our hearts to receive from your word, Lord, uh, insight and light, Lord, that um, uh, enables our pathway to be very clear before us, Lord, that we might walk out your truths, your promises, and, uh, and, and see, Lord God, um, your life in our lives glorified. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, it says, uh, indeed, we put in horses' mouths, this is James 3, 3 to 4, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body, look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. And, and of course, down a few verses, and James gives us a tip on where a small adjustment is applied. And we'll look at that too in verse 8. But no man can tame the tongue. And of course, there's some that just given up. And I, 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 would, I would encourage you, don't give up on taming the tongue. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Boy, that's the, that's the bad part. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Verse 10. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. And just in case you were already giving up because he said no man can tame the tongue, look what he says at the bottom. He says, my brethren, these things ought not to be so. These things ought not to be so. So, you know, we, we, we get a bit of an upskill here. And, of course, you know, last week, you know, we saw Peter and Jesus on the beach. Last week we saw uh, that to, uh, I made that connection that to express our love for God, we must love others. The two commandments go hand in hand. And as Peter found out down at the beach with Jesus, loving God, for him anyway, required loving on others and serving others. And in Peter's case, it was feeding God's sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Got told three times, it seems, that for Peter, things come in threes. You know, So uh, he got told very clearly what he needed to do. If you're going to love me, you're going to have to love others. And that's the message for all of us. We can't talk about loving God if we can't love others. And uh, that's the... That's the, the basis of our message. But here's the first tack. Just when you thought we're going in this direction, we're going to go in another little direction. Who loves it when you come into church and one of the first things that has your attention is that the presence of God is felt tangible? Who loves that? You know, um, it's that presence of the, of the Lord. You know, it's, it's felt, it's tangible. Getting up and getting ready to come to church becomes at that point worth the effort because you're really sort of sensing, you know, his presence. And, and we know that in his presence, there is what? Fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. It's a, it's a, a joy uplift. It might be that you sense it after we've sung a, a song of praise and worship. It might be then, but I can assure you, I've lost count of the visitors that have remarked on the sweet presence of God in this place. Lost count. Too many to number. And, uh, you know, it was a tourist season, uh, starts up again and we start seeing a few extra faces uh, you know filling our chairs and we start again talking about knocking walls down 
um, we, we are, are again faced with those real, what I enjoy is moments when people walk through the door and say, oh, there's such a lovely presence in here. Oh, wow, that's great. You know, and they just really, just to almost bask in, in that sense of God's presence. Some want to reach for a tissue straight away. And that's because God's dealing with their heart right away, you know, right from the moment they walk through the door. He's drawn them here. I think I've mentioned it once or twice that one of the first people that I greeted at the door was a lady, and I didn't know whether she, because I was so new some eight years ago, uh, going on nine years, going on eight years ago, uh, where uh, I was new, and I thought maybe she was new, I didn't know, and I said, hello, I'm Peter, and met her at the door, and, and she said, told me what her name was, and and I said, so uh, are, are you in this church? And she said, no, I'm new today. And I said, oh, uh, how did you come to come to church? And she said, well, God woke me up last night and told me to come to church. I said, well, that's what we want. That's when we know we're in business, isn't it? When God wakes people up in the middle of the night and says, you need to go to church. And, uh, and they come. And, you know, she was blessed and, and, and had a great service. And, of course, I, I believe she's now moved away, is no longer uh, in Broome. But, you know, uh, it, it is the way the Lord designed our gatherings to be. The Bible says that the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's where we're headed. All the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. As the waters cover the sea, it's going to be on everything. So we, 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 should, uh, we should be able to sense it now because we're already in the family. We're already in relationship with him. The sense of his presence in the earth is destined to increase and not diminish. There might be a little bit of trouble here and there between now and, and that moment, but uh, we know that it's destined to increase. You know, the very second verse of the Bible contains a reference to the presence of God's spirit. And, uh, and I just want to reference that in Genesis 1, verse 1 to 2. It does say there, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Of course, verse 2, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And look what it says, second verse of the Bible, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. You know, it's not long into the New Testament the earth was without form and, uh, and, and void, but it's not long into the New Testament that you recognise that our very gathering in twos and threes are designed by God to include his presence. You know, Matthew 18 and verse 20 says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I with them. Now, we, we, we ought to expect you get together with a brother or a sister or, or for fellowship or over a cup of coffee, expect God's presence. Expect him to be there. I'm not just talking about the omniscient, you know, presence of God. We know he's everywhere. I'm talking about the tangible manifestation of his presence where you know it. Some people go, John's not here so I can talk about John Honey Church. He's here, but God bless, God bless him. He, you know, would always go, look, goosebumps. And he'd show you his goosebumps. And that was his, that was his litmus test. Whether what you were saying was right or not. Up come the goosebumps. Oh, goosebumps. You know? But, you know, it was just, just again, that thrill that goes to the very core of your being. You know, at, at, at something being spiritual and of God. And, of course, his presence. And, you know, um, the physical manifestation of God's presence was the topic of Jesus' uh, parting comments. 
as he rose to the right-hand side of the Father, his last point of business was that he wanted believers to be filled with the presence of God, overflowing with him. You know, and, you know we're, we're unashamedly Pentecostal and we understand we talk about those things out of the book of uh, Acts, Acts chapter 2, but Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And as we say, there's just a small adjustment to make because his presence is also powerful. You know, if you have his presence, you have his power. That's it. That's the exciting thing. Whatever, what, you know, whatever your, your need is, if, you've got, if you're able to step into his presence, you're able to step into his power. And, um, and of course, whatever the need is, it's powerful to transform and set free. And we should desire more of his presence in our lives and not leave it till Sunday morning. To practice his presence through the week is really the goal. And uh, we keep stepping in for that. You know, when you hear the pastors of this church quoting from John 15, you know, we, where we acknowledge without him we can do nothing, uh, what we're saying is that we need his presence and power. Because it's that presence and power of God that brings kingdom results. That is the fruit that we're after. We're after that outcome kingdom results that come from his presence you know uh, again just a, another slight uh, tack here but in this topic we often use the word anointing who's heard of the word the word anointing and go where's that oh that's he's got that down in his drawer down the front you know the anointing oil but there's not not necessarily what's being spoken about when we say the anointing as in the anointing of God's spirit what is that and, of course, someone may ask. I heard one African-American preacher who said, now, I don't quite know what the anointing is, but I know when it ain't. <laughs> and referring to that, you know, just that undeniable presence of God um, that, that, that comes when the anointing is flowing fr uh, freely. You know, I, I like the definition that the Lord gave me. And, of course, for people that have not really had much of an understanding about it, I, I also asked the Lord. I said, Lord, what do you mean by the anointing? You know, I knew what the word taught, but I, and this is the, the definition that he gave me. And it's this. It's God's supernatural strengthening and ability. God's supernatural strengthening and ability. So if you're feeling weak... What you need is the anointing. You know, if you feel that you're not up to it, what you need is God's anointing, God's supernatural strengthening and ability. You know, the altar call, the prayer line, and uh, we, we were praying earlier this morning about, about our uh, altars and about our altar calls and, you know, where we have first decisions for Christ occur down here at the front at the end of the service on Sunday. Uh, rededications, we have prayer requests where people come down wanting to, you know, someone, a pastor to stand with them and believe with them. Uh, a prayer for healing. Uh, sometimes some are overcome by the presence and power of God to the point where they cannot stand. Okay? And, uh, you know, uh, uh, you can stand and resist that. I mean, uh, again, had a bit of a revelation. I was meditating on this. I don't think about it that much, but 
I was meditating on this, is, is that you can stand and resist uh, uh, that power and presence, uh, and some pastors will try and push you past that resistance. I've finally got an answer for why some do that. Now, I don't. If you don't get it just from my tap or from my laying hands on you, I'm not going to go <laughs> give you a little shove and help you to stop resisting. But I figured out that's why some do that. They're not trying to push you over. They're just trying to push you through your resistance. And uh, as I say, you'll see some who've got you know, quite the good nudge on them. And, uh, and they'll use that in the altar call. And I'm, I'm going, no, I just want it to be the power of God or nothing, you know. Uh, so that's just my stand on that. Uh, but what God does in that moment, I don't always have the answer for. You say, why did that, you know, if I'm praying for people and they fall over, you don't come to me and say, why did they fall over? I'll say, I'll give you a very simple answer. They fell over because they couldn't stand. <laughs> okay. And we say, what are they doing on the ground? I said, well, that's up to the Lord to work that out, what he's doing with them while they're in that kind of state of just... And, but no one gets up complaining unless there wasn't a catcher behind them. <laughs> then you usually get the letters. Uh, we'd like to have catchers when, we, you know... But I, I think it's important to understand that our altars are where, where we want the presence of God. And there is a certain amount of, there is a certain amount of um, protocol. Uh, we, we, we often dismiss our services as we start to pray for people. And, um, you know, I think there's also a need for us all to recognise that we can have and should have a little bit of uh, uh, honour and respect for what's going on in the altar, you know? That um, if you're waiting to be prayed for, that you don't have a great old yak and yarn, you try that on down at Victory Life Centre. You try that on with Pastor Margaret. She'll stop praying and come over and say, could you be quiet, please? She does. She comes and stops you and, uh, and one of the pastors will come and give you a tap and say, shh, go, go down the back. Go down the back and pray. Because there's just a bit of honour going on for what the Lord's doing down here by his spirit. And, of course, in his presence, people are touched by that power. I'm always comfortable with knowing the Lord is moving on his people and some can't stand and end up on the floor, as we say, having a bit of carpet time. And, uh, you know, there's different seasons and moves of God where people do, a, that happens a lot, you know. And, uh, and, of course, at the altar, whether you fall or not, all I say and encourage people is be open to the Lord working in you in a way that he only can. You can go down on the ground in bondage and get upset free. And that's what we're after. That's what we're looking for. You can go down uh, uh, full of problems and get up transformed. And that's, the, that's the, the, the proof that's in the pudding. You know, people say, well, what happened? They go, I don't know, but I feel better. You know. <laughs> so, but um, uh, we should all want to sign up for God's anointing whenever it's flowing, whenever it's moving. You know, And look, I've certainly been around long enough to know that I, I certainly don't want to be found cranking anything up or, or, or making spectacular things occur so people can stand in awe. You remember I had, we had one preacher who said, you know, this is not about the, God of, uh, 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 the, the man of God. The season that we're in is not about the, the man of God. It's about the God of man. And you know, he's powerful and his presence can be known and felt.
Okay, another tack. The work of his supernatural strengthening and anointing, you know, uh, uh, because fruitfulness is a direct result of it. And we're after that. We want that. We pursue that. Uh, we're not just going through a pattern of devotion. We're actually pressing in for the presence of God and power of God. It's always to, uh, a, a thrill to recognise that the presence of God and his anointing is featured not just in the resurrection of Jesus in the New Testament, but throughout Scripture. And of course the Old Testament as well. Moses is told by uh, God to assemble 70 elders and God transfers the same anointing that's upon Moses, the same supernatural strengthening and anointing, and he actually pushes it out over these 70 elders and they also start to walk in the anointing that Moses is, is uh, 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 operating in. And of course there's so many examples of God's uh, presence in people's lives that, that brought power and transformation. Another one is David already anointed by the prophet to be king. And uh, we know that story, great story. And of course, already he's on the run and uh, hiding from King Saul, who also likes being king. And, um, and, and as we know, whom uh, is determined to not allow David to ascend to the throne uh, of Israel. And of course, David takes refuge in a cave at a place called Adullam. And of course, some... 400 supporters gather to David. And uh, we, we pick that up in 1 Samuel 22, verse 1 to 2. And so David left Gath, took refuge in the cave of Adullam, and when his brothers and the rest of his father's household heard about it, they went down to him at cave Adullam. And all who were distressed, all who were indebted and discontented rallied around him. Wow. And he became their leader, and about 400 men were with him. So, number one, it's a big cave. All right? We're talking 400 men in Cave Agilum, and we're talking a big cave. And, uh, you know, the scripture tells us that change occurred. They went in one way and came out another way. I believe David didn't teach them from his skill sets of shepherd, shepherding or, or sheep herding or how to kill a lion or a bear, didn't teach him those things. Uh, great fireside stories, no doubt, but uh, I'm not convinced that all along as a shepherd uh, uh, boy, David had been working on his military manual on how to conduct wars and how to, how to rise up, you know, raise up mighty men. What I believe is that David as a psalmist, taught them to worship in that cave. Probably have some really good, you know, acoustics. You know, let's all sing together, man. Alleluia. Can you imagine it? 400 men being led in chorus. I believe that's what made them mighty men. He taught them how to press in for the presence of God. And of course, he was a worshipper, wasn't he? You know, he was out there in the, in the back paddocks of his dad's farm with the guitar strapped across his back, or a stringed instrument, singing to the Lord and learning how to practice his presence. I'm sure that David taught them to go after a heart connection with God, to draw near with their hearts and not just with their lips. David relied on the anointing of God upon his life and taught his men to do the same thing. 
and they were transformed by the power of God into God's mighty men. You know, in every meeting, our expectation is for the Lord to move and minister in our midst, to release his transforming power. And uh, we understand uh, that's his business, how he does it, the work, the, you know, the approach that he takes, the, 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 the inroads that he has into people's lives. We understand that it's his business, but we need to do certain things, respecting and honouring what he does out the front, respecting and honouring when we come in together, you know, respecting one another, loving one another. Remember, loving others is serving others. You may not be the one that prays for others at the front, but you can pray from where you are, standing. And you know, participate. It's not a spectator sport. And you'll get that a lot down at VLC too. And I'm just sort of saying, if you're ever down there visiting, make sure you don't get caught spectating. You just pass around and say, no spectating. We're all praying. You know, so everyone gets in behind and pray for what's happening at the front. Participate in the corporate prayer and worship. When we have an altar call, don't move around and make a lot of noise. You know, noise is all the way around the room. We've only got a small room. We intend to change that. And uh, in time, we'll change that and have a bigger room. But we can all contribute to what the Lord wants to do with us as a congregation. Very mindful of my time this morning, so I've only got a few scriptures left. So hang in there. Be encouraged. A couple more. Uh, and when we gather together in all of our gatherings, uh, it's so important. Be the mature congregation. Members that watch their words. Be the mature ones that speak words that contribute to unity and harmony and not disunity and disharmony. So easy. Just to be careless with your words, careless with your thinking. Don't let your mind go there, you know. Those that are gathered uh, to uh, uh, David, you know, uh, to that anointing that was at Cave Agilum were transformed from discontentment to contentment. There was a transformation that took place. And uh, that's a part that we can all play uh, uh, in as very much as well. Very much, and is very much encouraged in scripture. We need to get used to the fact that everyone has their faults. Don't think that just because you're a pastor, you know, that the pastors are perfect. They're not, you know. Uh, perf uh, if, you, if you're looking for fault, you'll find them in pastors as well. You know, the, the preachers at the front, you know, the, uh, the men of God that you see that are, that are used of the Lord uh, have got, you know, uh, imperfections. Just don't make the fault of others your focus. Concentrate on your own. <laughs> Concentrate on your own faults. Leave mine alone. I'm working with them. Okay? Uh, being the best you can be in Christ is what's needed. And, and I've just got a couple of scriptures to sort of finish off on, which I believe are, are great scriptures out of the New Testament. Colossians chapter 3. Uh, there we go. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, make allowance for each other's faults. That's, you know, in other words, don't try and fix them. It's just make allowance for other people's faults. Be careful of that. And forgive anyone who offends you. Well, we know that. We've, we've taught along those lines so many times before over the years. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. In other words, you're never going to find an environment where you're free from the possibility of someone offending you. Rubbing your fur the wrong way is what happens when you get around other people. 
All right? But what we must do is we remember the Lord forgave you. He forgave us. So we must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. I love that. Which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Harmony is a discipline to learn as a believer. Mostly concerned with watching what we think and then especially what we say. God loves it when his people practice harmony and dwell together in unity. It always has a direct impact and I assure you it does. We could look at other scriptures where Jesus, it says uh, Jesus uh, in his own hometown couldn't do many, many works there because they were offended. Wow. They got offended at him because they knew him. So, you know, you, you, you get close enough, particularly in small churches, people get close enough and, you, you know, they find that, you know, there's a difference in your life that's different to yours and you don't like that difference and, and you get offended about it. And the thing is, the idea, what we're being taught here is don't get offended. Just forgive. Overlook someone else's faults. Focus on your own. And the Apostle uh, Paul sums it up uh, in... Oh, sorry, the Apostle Peter sums it up beautifully in 1 Peter 3.8 when he says, Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathise with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Tender-hearted and humble. You know? But, you know, b b believing others better than yourselves. How about that? That's a good starting place. Let's do that this week. Believe others are better than you. You know, that's a, that's a good start. And finally, in Psalm 133, verse 1, it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And you know, when we're talking about the anointing, when we're talking about God's presence and his spirit, Look what it says in the beautiful, the beautiful language of Psalm 133.1. Behold how good and pleasant it is for better than to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil that upon the beard, running down the beard, the beard of Aaron. What does that mean? Well, it started on his head and went down his beard and it got on everything. That's what the anointing will do when we dwell together in unity. When we focus on being harmonious, God's presence comes down and gets on everything. The beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. And then the second, the second um, uh, uh, type that we're given is, is in verse 3. It says, it is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. And I like that because I've never been to Hermon. I've never been to the Mounts of Hermon. Probably Jess and, and, uh, and Jen have uh, been there. But uh, was it Dewey? Yeah, so when it is Dewey, apparently the Jew gets on everything. And um, descending a, a, upon the Mounts of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing. I tell you, in the place of unity, in the place of harmony, where God's people are operating in that discipline, there's a, there's a flow of God's anointing that we want, that we should desire, that we should uh, purpose to achieve in this year, uh, even more so than last year. And be one of those ones that not concentrating on someone else's faults, look at your own, work on yourself, be the best you can be in Christ.
and, uh, and watch what happens, the results. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back on up. And um, we're going to seal that with a song. And, uh, and of course, we're all going to stand to our feet right now. And we'll, we'll seal that with a prayer as well right now. Hallelujah. The worship team did a great job this morning. Amen. Just leading us into some great, uh, a great place in God. Father, we, we thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for your word today, Lord. And Lord, we, we've, we've uh, reached our, our place, Father. We've reached our destination, Lord God. Your word, Father, in our hearts, Lord God, that speak of us looking at ourselves that speaks of us, Lord, comparing uh, uh, you know, our steps, our practices, Lord God, uh, our patterns with your word, and, and Lord, seeing where we can make small adjustments. Small adjustments, Lord God, that will make a big difference in our lives, a big difference concerning your presence and your power in our lives, Lord. Lord, we thank you that uh, we want to see your anointing fall on this place, fall on this people, Father God. Not just on Sundays when we gather together, but even through the week and the testimonies that we hear of your, of, of your hand upon their lives, Lord. Lord, we thank you for those and, and uh, we, we appreciate, Lord God, uh, what your word does in us, Father. So, Lord, we, we thank you for your word and for your spirit today. Lord, we commit to it. We commit to being a people that are focused on us and not on others, that watch what we say, Lord, and, and Lord, above all, go after your anointing in our lives. And Lord, we ask these things today in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, let's uh, go out with a song. I'll just make the invitation to, just as we close, um, if you uh, are here and you'd just like some prayer, you'd like hands laid on you at the altar, look, just come to my right and, uh, and have, we'll get a bit of a line going if you need that this morning. We do have some morning tea that's uh, prepared and, and, of course, that's true every Sunday morning. Uh, and that'll, the, the, the door will open up and we can form a bit of a queue on this side and get a bit of fellowship. Don't feel you need to rush off. Hang around, have a cup of tea and a cup of coffee, some morning tea. And uh, above all, feel free to come down the front and, and uh, get into the presence and power of God this morning. Amen. God bless you all.